Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. I'm starting to think that we might actually be fortune tellers. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Cody Fincher as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. That would be good news. Well, when we last left this podcast, we determined that right after we finished it, there would likely <laughs> be news on our favorite Diamondback, as always. Seth Beer. As always. And there was. Um, right after we finished the podcast last week, he was it put was on IR. It was probably like 30 minutes, too. It wasn't even that long. No, it was... It wasn't like a couple hours or so. It was literally like probably 30 minutes. It was instant gratification, for sure. Because um, you were right. That, I caught that email, and I'm like... Come on. Like He was placed on IL, uh, IL, IR, what do they call it? It's the injured list. IL this isn't in the NFL. I hate that they all have a different name for it in every league. I don't even think the NBA has one of those lists. They're just like, they're injured. He's not going to play. Yeah. D- We're resting him. DNP injury. We're resting him with a broken leg. <laughs> um, We're resting him with a broken leg. <laughs> Seth Beer. Uh, is not going to be playing the rest of the season. Hopefully he's back in time for the start of next season because he's going to have surgery on that shoulder that Man. he separated and said was fine. That's Yeah, that's crazy because literally after the game in which he got injured, he appears on the TV screen I was watching, talking to the media. He's moving his left shoulder around like, hey, he just popped it back in. I don't, I don't know exactly what he said because I had the, the TV on mute, but... He looked like he was moving around the shoulder fine, and then all of a sudden the next day he is not not the next day, but the next couple days he's placed on I, IL. I almost said IR. You messed sorry. me up. I, it's football you season. I'm sorry. Me up. Uh, he's, he's put on the injured list, and then yesterday Tori Lovello announces that Seth Beer is going to have surgery to, to repair his dislocated shoulder, which, I mean, it sucks because – I wanted Seth I wanted to see Seth Beard so bad and yeah. we did and he was playing really well and of course in his first start at first base he gets injured um but I mean in in this season like it's not it, it's not that big a deal mostly because the deep the team is so bad it's not like Seth Beard was here to save the season but and you'd rather get it repaired now I guess and he can be hopefully ready for spring training and yeah. not have to deal with constant dislocated shoulders like Fernando Tatis Jr. or something like that. Yeah, best to play it safe. So I, I'm sure Tatis is going to get sur- some kind of surgery in the offseason, too, to, to help his shoulder. But, but yeah, it, it sucks, dude. Like, the, the D-backs versus shoulders this year. <laughs> the D-backs are over. Seth Beer, Jordan Lawler, they're, they just drafted number six overall, and then their top prospect, Corbin Carroll, all out for the season with shoulder injuries. Like, what's with the shoulders, man? Like, this this is weird. It's and they just, all happen in very different ways. Yeah, too. I mean, well, they, two of them were on dives, Seth Beer and Lawler. Fair. And okay, then fair. Corbin Carroll hurt, I don't know if he dislocated or what, but he, he hurt his shoulder hitting a home run. Yeah, and the hitting swing. A home run. Swung too hard. Uh, someone protect Alec Thomas, please. In regard to uh, Beer saying that he's fine and then doing the whole thing with his shoulder. Look, guys, it's fine. I just popped it back in. We're good. I don't entirely blame him on that because you got to think about it in context. He just got called up to the major leagues for the first time. He's just now being asked to be a part of a major league team and to contribute, and he was contributing and playing well, like you said. And there's only, what, two weeks left in the season at the time that he gets hurt, two and a half. Yeah. And so... From that perspective, I could see how a player, a young player like that, who's just getting his opportunity in the majors, could say, you know what, uh, 
maybe it hurts a little, but I'm good, well, guys. I'm well, good. I'm sure when he dislocated it, it hurt really bad, and they popped it back in, and it probably maybe. felt better. And he was like, yes, it's going to be fine. And then he probably was still in pain the next couple days, and they're like, all right, let's go look at it again. And Maybe it's one of those things where you're in the moment, and the adrenaline's sure. going, and maybe he didn't feel it that much. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like when you get you know hit in the face. It's like it hurts right away, but then it doesn't hurt as much. And and we talked about sep- like any type of separation or dislocation. Some people you just pop it back in and you feel fine. Yep, it's weird. I can't imagine how that goes, but that's how it goes sometimes. So yeah, Seth Beer out for the remainder of the season. Hopefully back for spring training because he's one of the guys it's that we like, very much like it's to watch. Like that, I, I can't remember which quarterback it was this past weekend um, in college football. He 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 dislocates his finger and on a on a key drive in the game, and the, he runs over the sidelines. They pop it back in, and the next play he goes out there and throws a touchdown. I can't yeah, remember what team was that, that was. Um, but I did uh, see that. I forgot about that. But it's uh, that same thing. It's like, just pop it back in. I'm good. Whatever. Well, but again, you're trying to fight for your shoulder team. Shoulder and a finger is different. But. It's a little different, but you're, <laughs> you're trying to fight for your team, and yeah. you're trying to win a game, and you know, in a lot of sense, this is your job. Yeah. You know, like, you could lose your job if you're unavailable. Availability is the biggest ability in sports. Being look, what happened to, look what happened to Tyrod Taylor last year with the Chargers. He gets, the doctor sticks a needle into his lung and Ugh. he has to be out for the game. And then Justin Herbert comes in and never gives the job back. I don't like thinking about that. I really don't. I kind of do because it's funny. Puncturing it's a lung. It's not funny. It's funny that he got that's, his lung punctured. that's how he loses his spot because the trainer is incompetent. Boy. No one was hurt that bad. He had his <laughs> lung punctured. He was hurt. Um, I can't breathe. Something uh, happened. I want to uh, pull our attention to a new piece from Nick Picoro over at Easy sick, Central. I might be a sick person. You are. <laughs> there's no maybe. There's have, no maybe in that equation. A- might have a problem. <laughs> Nick Picoro wrote a new piece over at AZ Central talking about uh, the future of Tori Lovello. We've talked about it extensively. His contract is up at the end of the season. I read, uh, I think in this piece, that the entire staff is on expiring deals. Not the entire staff, but most of the coaching staff. Well, since they fired the hitting staff, you right. would feel like their replacements are not long-term pieces anyway. So Hazen has even talked about how you know we want to deal with whatever we're going to do at the manager position. And he talks about Tory still pretty glowingly. I mean, here's a quote from Mike Hazen this week. I think Tory does a good job of managing a baseball team, but our win total is where it's at, which is going to be in and around the worst record in club history. I think we need to walk through this decision methodically. So uh, it sounds to me like we've known this all along. They really like Tory. There's no, no surprise. There's no shock. Uh, they brought him in for a reason. He won Coach of the Year in his first season with the Diamondbacks in 2017. He's the second longest tenured manager in D-backs history, <laughs> and, which isn't a long history, but he's been here a while, is my point, four or five seasons. And now they have to make a hard decision. And we've talked extensively about the decision they have to make, but it sounds to me like they want to get it done in the next week to week and a half because the season ends They've only got a handful of games left, and today David Bell signs a two-year extension with the Cincinnati Reds, yeah. and they're clearly trying to shore it up, and they're in a different situation. They're a decent They're fighting for a playoff, st- yeah. playoff spot. Decent contender, playoff possible team, so they're looking on the up and up. The Diamondbacks are completely different. They're on the down and down, and will be for a while. So it's a totally different scenario, but teams are trying to figure out 
where are we going with our manager? And now the Diamondbacks only have a matter of days. Yeah, it, I would hope they would know what they're going to do with Tori Lovello by the end of the season. They should know by now, shouldn't they? I would think so. Um, Nothing I, in the next week is going to change that, is it? I know that Mike Hazen can't come out and say, yeah, we know what's going to happen with Tori two weeks before the season ends. That's not fair to Tori. Of course. And they want to do because they really like Tori as a person and as a manager. They do. They like him a lot. Um, so they don't want to disrespect him or or put him in that kind of situation, you know, two weeks or so before the season ends. There's, what, 11, 12 games left? I can't remember. I think there's 11 games left now. But... um and I, they, this is a process. Are you counting? I can see you counting. Yeah. Sorry, I was using my fingers. That's probably the <laughs> yeah. evident way. How many games are there left, Steve? Eight, but I got to go to <laughs> 11. 11 games left. I had to go okay, to the next I was month. Right. I was right. Because, you know, they play in October. Yeah, they three days in October. I never understood um, that. But this is, a, this is a situation where they. I don't think they should be dragging their feet either. I think it needs to be they need to figure out what they're going to do, what their direction is, who their man, who their next manager is going to be, if the decision is that, to not bring Lavello back, because the off season moves kind of quickly. Um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the top free agents are free agents for a long time, but um, you got to know what your direction is. You got to well, you got to know who your coaches are. You got to know who your what what direction you're going to go. Are they going to really invest in a rebuild here, and then? Because they need to figure that part out, which I hope they have, because that determines who your manager is going to be. Because if you're going to try to compete, you want maybe a different type of manager for that situation. If you're going to go into a rebuild, there's a different type of manager for that situation. Maybe you go with a younger, inexperienced, more inexperienced manager that you think could be a a long-term solution when your team is ready. Somebody's bench coach who is... Considered yeah. a good candidate down the road, yeah. but maybe this is their first job. Like like when the D-backs promoted A.J. Hinch to manager, that was ahead of his timeline. He wasn't ready to be a manager back then, and then all of a sudden he was a good manager with Houston, and we know what happened with Houston. Yeah, but they won the World Series. But look what he's doing with the Tigers. Well, I mean, I meant they cheated. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> But in terms of, I meant they were part manager, of one of the biggest scandals in baseball. But in but, terms of him being a good manager, they won a World Series. But, and the Tigers are winning games with him at the helm right now too. So right. I mean, he's a he's a good manager, and he was just I don't think he was quite ready yet here, and that team wasn't ready to win at the time either. Um, so I I don't know. It it all really depends on the direction of the team, and are they really going to say, okay, listen, we're not going to be good for three at least three more seasons we got all these young teenage kids in our minor league system that we think can help us we're going to let them develop and come up when they're ready and hopefully they hopefully we can build around them and form a competitive team or they can take those minor league guys and trade them away for major league talent now and try to compete. But then you got to look at the landscape of this, the NL West. Just look at your own division. There are three teams in this division that could win the World Series. I well, mean, one of them right now is pretending like they 
well, never win the World Series, and that's the Padres. They're I mean, I don't know like, what's happened to them. But, we'll get to that later. But the Giants all of a sudden, and I mean, this could be a fluke. I don't know. But they're a well-constructed team. They have a lot of veteran, good veteran players, good veteran leaders. Their pitching staff's been good. Their bullpen's been really good. They trade for Chris Bryant. He might stay there. Who knows? Um and then, of course, the Dodgers are always going to be good no matter what happens. They could lose. Every- Literally, they have they went through a stretch where they pretty much only had Max Scherzer and and Walker Bueller, which is really good, by the yeah. way. But like all their any other, team in baseball, would take all their that. other starting pitchers were hurt, right? And they were winning these bullpen games. I'm like, how are they winning these games? David Price is starting these games. How are they doing this? But I, so that you look at those three teams. I mean, the Rockies aren't. You know, they're they're. They play tough, I guess. They're really good at home uh, at Coors Field. But uh, so I don't know. It, 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 I think they should rebuild. I would. I don't know, man. I'm so torn. Well, think I'm about- having an argument with myself. I know. Can I, I get in here? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Please help me. Think about this, too, though. The Diamondbacks likely have already evaluated their options as far as managers go. They already know around the league, okay, we might consider this guy who's a good bench coach on a on a competitive team, like Tory was. Yeah. He was a bench coach of the Boston Red Sox, yep. took over for John Farrell when he was out. Um, so he, in a lot of ways, kind of had the Bruce Arians thing going on. He was next in line in Indianapolis, and then when... Uh, oh, Chuck shoot. Pagano. Chuck Pagano, thank you. When Chuck Pagano gets cancer and can't coach for the season, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians steps up, wins coach of the year. Yep. Gets his own job in Arizona with the Cardinals. It's a similar thing Torrey went through. And Torrey ended up being a really good manager right out of the gate. And so the Diamondbacks already know. They've already scanned the landscape. They know who's out there that they might be interested in. Do they know if they're going to be available or not? No, you don't know that yet. But they have to decide, are we willing to accept one of those other options before we let Torrey go? Is that option better than keeping Torrey? Yeah. Because that's still an option on the table as of right this second. Mm-hmm. Nobody has said, no, he's not coming back. It's still possible that he's the manager of the Diamondbacks, which yeah. is weird to think about, but it's true. And I guess you have to ask, what are the benefits of Tory coming back? I mean, there's the, you know, there's the, um, he's been here a long time. He knows the organization, Mike Hazen. Everyone seems to love Tory. It's not that they don't like Tory. Even the players. Yeah. And we've talked about countless times how, Eduardo Escobar, before he was traded, has said how much he loves playing for Tori Lovello. And I think that goes I think that's true for a lot of the players in that clubhouse. Um he is a player's manager. He'll never throw the guys under the bus in the to the media. I mean, yeah, he's yelled at them in the dugout in plain sight uh, a few times this year, especially that one time in Milwaukee where they were just terrible in one inning. Um and I don't know, I mean I could see both. I can see both scenarios, and I wouldn't be surprised at either one. Uh, if they let Tori Lovello go, because there's, you know, you want maybe want a new voice in the locker room, um, you want a new direction, or you just keep Tori because you know who Tori is. He's a good manager. I will say this, and I'll keep saying it. I would love to see them give Tori another chance with a good roster but how long is it going to take to get a good I don't roster know. I don't they're know. not going to have a good roster next they season technically had one in 2020 and then covid happened but and they're not going to have a good roster in the scrap right 
They don't have no, the money to go out and sign a bunch of good free agents. So the prospects aren't coming up the pike. So that would be committing to Tory for maybe two or three more years. Right. That's the thing. And giving him another fair shake isn't going to happen in the next two seasons. Yeah. I really don't think that's true. I think the most likely scenario is that Tory Lavello is not the manager of the Diamondbacks next year. I don't know who will be, but I don't think it'll be Tory. We talked last week about how typically when you're this bad of a team, the worst team in Major League Baseball, probably likely going to be in the discussion for worst team in franchise history, which is 23 they years or whatever. They have to lose eight more games eight to more? tie the record in 04. So... I was one eleven. I, I was considering is. that argument. Is this the worst Diamondbacks team of all time? And I had some statistics I wanted to run by you because it's not good. <laughs> consider <laughs> consider the fact they still need eight losses to get there by winning percentage. But these are all cumulative stats or not non cumulative stats. These are averages. So like batting average, mm-hmm. they you know that could change yeah. over the next eight games. Sure, but whatever. Batting average, worst in franchise history this season. What is it? I don't know. I didn't write that down. What? I just wrote down that it's the worst. <laughs> the number doesn't matter. The worst. number doesn't matter. No. It's not good. Okay. I think it was in the 230s. 235. That's what that it, sounds was. About it was. 235. Right. That sounds about right. On base percentage, second worst in mm. franchise's history. OPS, second worst in the franchise's and history. I'm guessing the worst is the 04 team. Uh, they were actually two different, if I remember right, there were two different seasons. But oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, stolen bases. The worst. And that's a cumulative stat, but they're so far below their second worst and that I felt comfortable that saying they're going to That doesn't surprise me at last. all. They never steal. They never steal. Which is crazy because they had one of the fastest guys in, in baseball to start out the year. Trading. Tim LeCastro. Well, but also, too, like, I don't think stolen bases is the end of the world. Like, if you don't steal bases, you can still be a good no. team. But what this signifies to me is that they don't move runners. Right. Exactly. And if you're not hitting home runs, which, by the way, they're not, then <laughs> you're not getting guys home. Right. If you're not stealing bases and not hitting homers. And, like, look at their lineup. They're not, they don't really have any big boppers in that lineup. I mean, Cattell Marte is probably their their best power hitter, I'd say. Maybe. I'm, I don't know. Well, now that Seth Beer is injured. Well, yeah, right. Because <laughs> David Peralta's not hitting home runs. Christian no. Walker has eight home runs this year. No. Eight. And like and Carson he, Kelly, Carson Kelly, maybe nah, I don't know. What's he got? 20 something. I think probably if I looked at it right now, which I, I'm not, I could guarantee you that Eduardo Escobar is still leading this team in home runs. Yeah, that's probably with like true. 21 um, ERA worst in the franchise's history and runs allowed per game, which is kind of a similar statistic. Yeah. Worst in the franchise's history. Mm. They are statistically speaking, the worst offensive and pitching Defensive slash well, pitching team in you can say defensive history. too. I think I don't know where their errors rank, but they have a lot of errors this yeah, year. Yeah, it's not good. I looked at fielding percentage, which is a weird wonky yeah, stat. Sure. But fielding percentage, they were kind of middle of the road to bad. But I mean, yeah, not good. I mean, I'm just, I have to watch these games pretty much every night because I work the radio broadcasts and man, they, they just they struggle defensively. There was a couple plays last night. And I'm Josh Van Meter is not a third baseman, so I don't know why they keep playing him at third base. But because there he is, is no other third he baseman. Is why? Well, yeah, they did send Jarellis back down. Yeah, like who else is going to play yeah. third? I'm not saying I like it, but uh, he totally, if I can use this term, dorned it last night. At, Dorn, Dorn, get in front of the ball, Dorn. Don't give me this Olay crap. Damn it, Dorn. <laughs> 
get in front of the ball. <laughs> he played it off to the side, and it went right through his glove, like right through his glove. Well, don't worry. That's why Ildemaro Vargas is back. And then there was another play where Paven Smith was tracking down a foul pop fly. He got to the spot, and it was a pretty long run. The ball hits him right in the palm of his glove, and he d- drops it. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, this team def- and I think that's what pisses Tory off the most. This the, the defensive blunders cuz that since he's taken over, that's they've been one of the best fielding teams in Major League Baseball since he has taken over as manager. That is a staple in the Tory Lovello regime and the Tory Lovello Mike Hazen era is good defense and they suck at defense this year. There's no better way to say it. And it's largely the fielding. same crop of players. Yeah. Can we talk about real quick how, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Cattel Marte is playing second base again. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yes, please. I've been asking for that for two freaking years. Now, the problem is that leaves center field a complete liability. Well, Dalton Varsho is now like their everyday center fielder. Yeah, so. and I don't like that. Uh, you know I don't like that. But... I mean, I I don't know what happened. Um, I've heard some things, like not I don't have sources, but like I've heard some you know on the broadcast say that Cattell went to Tory and said he likes playing second base. So uh, I don't. Maybe there was a conversation there. Like, listen, man, I'm my legs are tired. I don't know. I don't. I'm, so, the thing. I'm totally speculating. He might but be, just be healthier when he plays second. Maybe. Base. I mean, and if you're a player who is injured all the time, like Cattell Marte is, you probably would want to play the position that keeps you healthy. I mean, think about it. He he has had two, two to three, I think it's at least two, different times on the injured list with hamstring problems while he's been playing in center field this year. And I, there's there might not be a direct correlation with that, but in my opinion, I think there is. He's had problems with his hamstrings. He, mem- remember the turf thing two years ago or whatever that was when they put the turf in. He's like, yeah, this turf is not helping me. It, I'm, I'm getting hurt playing on this turf. And the, the organization had to like fan that flame and put that fire out. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, it's not the turf. No, it's good. Like, and who knows? But now he's back playing second base again. And maybe they just want to keep him healthy for the rest of the year. And, I mean, he, with those two hamstring problems, they don't want him running around in center field chasing down fly balls. I completely agree with that. I never liked Cattell Marte in center field. Not saying he wasn't a good center fielder. He's been not great this year. But that one year i think it was was 2019 when he was an all-star yeah. he played most of his games at, in center field he was decent he played about half and half yeah. but before the all-star break then kind of they yeah. solidified him he, as the center he was fielder. a decent center fielder and it was out of necessity um but he was he did a decent job but now i'm just over it i want him at second base i want him healthy he's hitting over what is it? what is he hitting this year he's hitting at least over 330 I want to say when he's yeah, been healthy, he's, absur- he's absurd. He's, he's a great hitter. Yeah, he's been crazy, man. Like it's just, I'm gonna look it up real. I quick. don't disagree with you on anything that you just said. Um, it does leave you with the thought that you do need to go find a real center fielder. I mean, that's an obvious need. They've had that need for a while since they traded for Starling Marte and then immediately traded him away after two months. Well, not even two months. It was a month on the field because of the COVID 2020 season. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, you're right. I'd love to see Marte at second base more, 
but that leaves a serious hole in center field. And I'm not saying you play him in center because you have to. Yeah. But he's got to find somebody. He's hitting 328 this year. Pretty dang good. In 302 at bats. Pretty dang good. He unfortunately he's missed so much time that he is not he's not even qualified to lead the team in batting average. Ugh. He's missed so much so much time. Um but yeah, 328. He he's closing in on hit number 100 this year. Uh, he's I mean 12 homers, 46 RBIs, 387 on base percentage, 927 OPS. He hits a lot of doubles. He doesn't hit a lot of home runs. He never really has. But he 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 is a he's a hitter. He's a really good hitter. File this under good news because you and I were okay, both good, hoping good that we were going Finally. to see more prospects this September. Okay, what's going on? Luis Frias. Yes. Has been called up. Uh, I do want to preface this by saying Luis Frias is probably not the sexy prospect that everybody was hoping to see, but he's a good name. He's played well in his time in the minor leagues, although this season kind of average numbers if you look at ERA and other things, but um, pretty good in the minor leagues this season. He gets the call, and he is working out of the bullpen so far. Yeah. You don't like that. The starters working out of the bullpen... They almost always seem to do that. It by the seems way. to be a thing. I mean, they didn't do that with Humberto Mejia. No, but John Duplantier, Duplantier, Corbin uh, Martin. Well, Corbin Martin, he was starting at first, and then he was not pitching well, and then they sent him back down and brought him back up, and they were pitching him out of the bullpen. Bukaskis. Mm-hmm. He, but to their credit, Bukaskis was it widely like expected to be a reliever. Yeah, I was going to say it seems like they've pretty much converted him to a relief pitcher. So, right, that's I'm fine with that. But Luis Frias though has played the whole year as a starter. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I mean, they might have just needed I, I, an extra arm. I know that probably, and I know that their starting rotation is pretty actual is healthy now. I mean, Bumgarner is back. Gallon's back. Luke Weaver's in the rotation again. Merrill shelled. Merrill, yeah. Well, <laughs> Merrill Kelly's off the COVID list, so right. Um, I mean, the only other guy they have one spot that's kind of the floating spot, and that's been Humberto Mejia. I think had that spot last, which time. I'm cool with. That's a good prospect too. Sure. So I'm excited to see what those two guys have to offer. I mean, Luis Frias is kind of like the first of a slew of pitching prospects that the Diamondbacks have. And yeah. I know that their sexy prospects are the hitters, like Geraldo Perdomo, who we <laughs> saw earlier in the season. Uh, Corbin Carroll, you mentioned, is out for the year with a shoulder injury. Christian Robinson, who's out with punching a cop. <laughs> and then and then, uh, and then Dalton Varsho was really the big one the last two seasons. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to see Frias more. He's only pitched in two-thirds of an inning so far in, right. in the game against uh, the Houston Astros. He struck out a guy. His first strikeout was of Jose Altuve, so that's pretty I'll good. I'll take that. Uh, that's an MVP. S- yeah. So um, he's 23 years old, so I'd like to see more of him. Maybe he'll get a start. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if they decide to shut down one of the veteran guys going into the offseason, like Mad Bum or maybe Gallon, so he stays healthy. Um, I could see that. Maybe L- Luis Frias gets a start. Maybe if they, I mean, that Humberto Mejia spot in the rotation, that could be a Luis Frias start right there if they want to give him a shot. So I, I'm all for it. Um, give me the prospects. Give me all the prospects. Give me Geraldo Perdomo, too. I don't care. Just give me him. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to see Ildemaro Vargas. I'm sorry. No. I don't. Uninspiring. There's a reason why he is the all-time leader in hits for the Reno Aces. He, or whatever it is. if I'm wrong. What is it? Is it the Reno Aces, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't know if it was like career. <laughs> He's the career hit leader in the, all in the minor leagues. Um, but 
Yeah, when we I saw just, that statistic, I, like, I think I texted mm. you and I was like, that's not a statistic you really want. I mean, it's good. It's better than the alternative, but it also means you've been in the minors. A long I mean, time. he's he, he's had a couple hits so far since he's come back, but I'm like, it's not. Correct me if I'm wrong. What I want to see wasn't he DFA'd by the team, went to the Pirates at one point. It might not have been directly to the Pirates, but he he's ended been up on in the Pirates Pittsburgh. and the Cubs. And didn't he get DFA'd from the Pirates also? Yes, that's how they brought him back. I believe. So this is a guy who was DFA'd by the worst team in baseball, <laughs> and then what? The third worst team in baseball. Yeah. And now he's back now on the worst back. team. Okay, just wanted to make sure I had that right. He no, hasn't played no for fence. he hasn't played for the Orioles yet. So remember, he had a really good. What did they call that last year? Summer camp. Yeah, we were talking about. Camp. Yeah, we were talking about Robbie Ray yeah, and Eldemaro oh. Vargas and how they were going to both have breakout seasons. Well, uh, Robbie Ray would have a comeback season, I guess. We call yeah, it. there was like Eldemaro Vargas could be like a starting player, and like that's what they were thinking. I'm like, Oops. what? Like, Oops. Okay, where? Yeah, he just doesn't hit. Sorry, no, he doesn't. And I mean. Give me Perdomo, please. Give me Perdomo. He just got bumped up to AAA. I saw Perdomo that. did. Got a hit. Which means okay. that that's that's their compliment to him. Like, hey, there's a week left in the season. Call up to AAA. It's not, we're not going to see him at the majors. Unless something catastrophic happens to Nick Ahmed or something. Knock on wood. Well, Nick Ahmed's been injured, too, but they don't. They, he's not on the injured list. Um, let's move to baseball as a whole. Okay. There's been an interesting, let's do that. interesting turn Good of events. Good baseball. Uh, I was actually going to talk about bad baseball. Oh, damn it. Uh, Steve, <laughs> but it's within the division, so it could be good for the okay. Diamondbacks long term. What's, what's been going on? Um, the San Diego Padres were ah, a playoff yes. team a week ago, and they no longer are. <laughs> I believe they're like three and seven in the last ten, maybe two. They and are eight. two and eight, two and eight. Yeah, <laughs> even worse. So um, there was an incident a couple of days ago where Fernando Tatis struck out looking, I believe, and didn't like the call. Was about to get run by the umpire when Jace Tingler came out, and he got run instead. And that's what the manager is for. Good manager. That's what it's for. And then the bench coach got at it with Tatis, basically saying, come on, man, we need you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Meant to be inspiring, but uh, did not come across that way, I guess. (laughs) And then a video was shot by a fan or multiple fans of Manny Machado getting in the face of Fernando Tatis. There were some words that were said that I can't say on the podcast. And he basically was trying to make the point, this isn't about you. This is about the team, and right now we're sucking, so yeah. we need you. And I get it. I think Tatis probably sees the playoffs slipping through his fingers. He probably sees the MVP award possibly slipping through his fingers. Um, what do you make of this turmoil going on with the Padres? Well, first of all, I would like to say that I'm completely surprised at how decent of a leader Manny Machado has become since he's been with the Padres. Oh, yeah, because, he was a bad dude for uh, a while. Yeah, he was a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, he was a guy that literally did an interview and says, I don't like to hustle. It's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I don't run down to first. I don't hustle. I mean, I agree. And well, I don't like to hustle either. But <laughs> but now he is doing those things because – and let's face it. That was when he was on Baltimore, and Baltimore yeah. never really had a chance to win. There was a time where Baltimore was a decent team. But uh, yeah, the eighties. No, <laughs> with him on it. Oh. No. Oh, I see what you mean. I mean, they weren't good, but they were okay. Yeah, and but now, then he got paid three hundred million. Yeah, and he, and to be honest with you, <laughs> I could totally see a scenario where he just went to San Diego because when they signed him, they weren't very good, and they gave him three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and they're like, oh, he's like, all right, I'm gonna go make three hundred million dollars and live in San Diego. I'm good. Well, and then they're like, no, we're gonna be a good team. Remember, they had. Invested heavily in Will Myers and Eric Hosmer, mm-hmm. who right now, looking at this really good team, they're like the eighth or ninth best player on yeah, the team. Yeah, and they're making a lot of money. But they were the original two big pieces. Yeah. And then 
Manny Machado comes over. You're right. That mm-hmm. happened. And then Machado played the key role in getting Tatis called up. Remember at the beginning of the season, what season was that? 2019 or 18? I can't even remember which one 19? was his first. I think it was 19. 19, I think. But they called him up at the beginning of the season because Machado went to ownership and said, listen, this kid's too good to play the service time game. Right. We need yeah. him now. Yeah. We can be a good team with him now. And to Machado's credit, they were way better because Tatis, turns out, is the best player in baseball. <laughs> okay, is, I pump the brakes a little bit on the Otani thing is a little bit different. The best player is probably Shohei Otani. But. I agree with that. But in terms of what he does, I think Tatis is better at what he does than Otani is. Yeah. Otani is just really, really good at multiple things that no one is good Ohtani, at. Otani does things that no one else does. He pitches right. and hits 50 homers. But Tatis, for what it's worth, can do everything yeah. that a so, position player is asked to do. I am I was very shocked to see Manny Machado is now taking this leadership role after all right. the stupid things he's done. Like, there was, like you said, there's been, like, he's a dirty player like that was a, a stigma on Manny Machado he would step on you and, and cleat you running down first base line and spike you and stuff like that and he you know there was that like I said that whole thing where he's like I don't like the hustle I don't do it it's not my cup of tea and now he's a leader of the Padres and remind me was Machado on one of the Dodger teams that yes, lost yes in he, the World Series he yeah yes he was on the 20. 20- 18 Dodgers 18. that lost to the Red Sox because there is that the famous last out is Chris Sale striking him out and Manny Machado is like this right. on one knee after he swung at a horrible pitch. I love that on a radio podcast you were just like like, like this. Like the, he's he's he takes the he takes the uh the shape of a K actually. <laughs> he goes down to one <laughs> knee. It's hilarious. Anyway, but no, don't you think though Manny Machado's starting to get to that point in his career where he's like I want to win a championship. Right, right. And, and, and we have a Padres team and that can do it. I, I think Manny Machado did the right thing here because, and I'm not going to, it's hard to blame Fernando Tatis because he is one of the best players in baseball, but he's also a young kid who's going to get 22. frustrated. Yeah. And, and he needs to realize, dude, Manny Machado, all he was trying to say is, you're our best player, and we're literally fighting for our lives in the playoffs, right? In in this playoff race, we need you in the lineup. We're suffocating. Every game is a playoff game right now for us, and we need you to be out there for every at bat you can because you're our best player. Remember when we? Remember when you were injured? We were not very good, and then you come back <laughs> right. and you hit a bunch of homers, and we started winning again. Like. That's all he was trying to do, and he's right. Manny Machado is right, and I feel just dirty saying that. I don't <laughs> like Manny Machado, right. but he was right in this situation. Tatis needs to, and like like I said, he's a young kid, but he needs to grow up a little bit. Jay's Tingler, by the way, taking one for the team. What a great managerial move that was. Toss me, not him. Toss I, me. I'll bet you, though, if they don't make the playoffs, which we're going to talk about playoff races here in a second, but um, if they don't make the playoffs, I think Jace Tingler might be on the hot seat. He might be on the hot seat already. And in which case, they might fire him. Think about about this real quick. The Yankees fired Joe Girardi after they just barely missed the World Series. Yeah. Think about the Padres and what they invested in that team this year. Yeah. And all the moves they made in the offseason. Hey, the White Sox fired... um what's his name, Renteria, and hired Tony La Russa. The White Sox made the playoffs last right. year. That's what I'm saying. The expectations for teams that are guaranteed contenders. Before yep. the season, you and I both would have agreed that the Padres were making the playoffs and likely contending for a World Series. 
Yeah, because on they, par with they the went Dodgers. out and got you Darvish and Blake Snell, and they even I mean last year they traded for Mike Clevenger, who has they'll not have him enough. next year. Right, he's going to be around next year. Snell, Darvish, Musgrove. Um, mm. They added a ton of pieces. They, At the deadline this year, they go get Adam Frazier. Yeah, I'll say they kind of screwed up the deadline a little bit. They need they really looking and hindsight's twenty twenty, but they need they needed pitching really bad, and they were this close to Max Scherzer, and they didn't get Max Scherzer. They were really close. But, yeah. Um, they and then their big pitching acquisition was Jake Arrieta, who lasted four starts and was DFA the other day. Yeesh. But like, so the front office, like Adam Frazier is a good player. No doubt about that. Sure. But they didn't really need Adam Frazier. No. I mean, you could, there's never, you could never have too many good hitters, I guess. Especially and, he, and he plays, he plays multiple positions. So that's fine. Was leading the league in hits at the mm-hmm. time, by and the way. I don't know if he still all-star, is. Um, and, but they that team really needed pitching, and they didn't go out and get any pitching. Yeah, they could have had they could have got Scherzer, Jose Barrios, you know, and they they didn't. Get I'm sure any they of those wanted guys. to. I'm, I'm sure, sure they tried. I'm sure they did. But the, look, the Dodgers normally they like normally they get away with murder here with like Mookie Betts. They just had to take on David Price and give up a Alex Verdugo for Mookie freaking Betts. Right. But in this case for Scherzer and Trey Turner two top 10 players. They gave up their top pitching prospect and their top overall prospect. Yeah. And Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz. Yeah. So fine. That's fine. Whatever. I Tolerable get, trade. Yeah I guess. Max Scherzer has been the best pitcher on the damn planet yeah. since he's been traded to LA. There was once a God, time I where that, I hate them so much. There was once a time in baseball where that prospect package would have gotten you one of those guys. Yep. Not both, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. here we are. Yep, yep. Um, let's go to a different weird story in baseball. There was a data card incident uh, <laughs> with the Rays and the Blue Jays. So if you want to picture it, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is trying to slide into home and gets tagged out at home plate by Alejandro Kirk. Kirk, in the process of tagging Kiermeyer, drops his data card, the card that he keeps in his pocket that tells him how they're going to pitch to each of the opposing team's right. players. All the players have these cards now. Yeah. In their back pockets. Because there's so much analytics the in baseball. Catchers usually now. wear those wristbands that have, you know, different pitchers. It's like quarterback. Their, yeah, right, exactly. It's like a playbook Thing. in there. So Kirk drops his list. It pops out. It's like if you you know how you fold the notes in high school when you would send a note to a pretty girl, you would fold it in half and then it would just be like kind of like a um like a fortune cookie shape. <laughs> what, you didn't do that? So no. <laughs> he drops his note, his data card, and it's right there in front of Kiermaier, who's just slid into home plate. And right. Everybody starts going back to the dugout. <laughs> and he looks down and he sees the card, doesn't know what it is, but he just stares at it for two seconds, then picks it up, puts it in his pocket, and goes back to the dugout. Apparently, a lot of the players on the opposing team, after they find out that this is what happened, I'm sure Kirk realized he just didn't have his card anymore. Um, some of the players were kind of ticked that, that Kiermaier took the card and that he kept it. And that he didn't want to give it back. And that he was asked after the game about it. And he basically said, I didn't realize what it was. I kind of thought it was my card, which was in my pocket. They all have them. He was like, I have a defensive positioning card in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I figured it just fell out. So I picked it up. And he said when he got back and realized, he said, I didn't even read the card. I just realized it wasn't mine. And I wasn't going to give it back. And that's my favorite part of the whole story. He's like, well, why didn't you give it back? And he's like, why would I give it back? <laughs> it's like a playbook. Why would I give it back to them? Let them suffer. And I loved that. That's 
you could take both sides that like, well, he should have given it back because it's no, cheating or whatever. He shouldn't but have given like, it back. it's it's like finding the answers to the test yes. in the hallway of the high school. You know, like I'm not gonna give this back to the teacher. I'm well, gonna look at it. Right? No, 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 no. But it's not like that. It's like if you found the answers to the test and you threw them away and didn't look at them, the school doesn't get them back. But you also chose not to use them. You know what I mean? That's kind of what this is like. Okay, maybe I'm a worse person. It doesn't make looked, you a worse I person. Look at the answers. <laughs> I just love that he was like, I don't know if it's true or not, but he says that I, he didn't I, look at. I it. read something today that 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 the managers got together of of the managers of both teams, and the card was returned. Well, Toronto's manager is Charlie Montoyo, yeah, who came Kevin up Cash. through the uh, Rays system. Yeah, so Kevin Cash must. They've they got a good relationship. Pretty, yeah, they must be pretty good friends. I think it was all smoothed over and the card was yeah, returned. All is well now. Because that would be like, that would be awkward, right? Like, yeah. your, your friend's like, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat to, is it cheating though? If the, I don't know. That would be pretty hilarious. This is though, a moral dilemma. If uh, if Rob Manford came out and said that we're going to require Kiermaier to walk across the clubhouse, uh, concord, across the field, <laughs> into their clubhouse, the and return it at the manager's <laughs> office, that would be pretty funny. But no, all's well that ends well. Um, I wanted to kind of end on playoff races like we have the last couple of weeks. The Diamondbacks still have 11 games remaining. They are clearly out of the picture, but... What? In the American they League. They are? <laughs> the American League division leaders have stood for weeks now. It's Tampa Bay, it's Houston, and it's Chicago. But what's interesting in the uh, race for the wild card is Toronto is seven of their last three, uh, seven and three in their last ten. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball, and it doesn't look like the AL East is going to be giving up either of those wild card spots. I, yeah, because the Yankees are only half a game out, too. Right. It's just. It's going to be two of the three. Man. If the Yankees can't get in there, so we have a Boston Red Sox New York Yankees wild card game. That would be cool. That would be cool, but I'm okay if the other team is Toronto because Toronto yeah. is super fun to watch. I I I'm rooting for Robbie Ray. Honestly, I have no bitterness towards Robbie Ray as a D-backs fan. That's very fan. big of you. I, I'm rooting for him. I like Robbie Ray. I'm I just, proud of you. I just wish he would have figured it out here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm not mad at him for figuring it out. I don't hate Max Scherzer because he went on to be one of the to be a Hall of Fame pitcher somewhere else after the D-backs gave up on him. Um, way too quickly, in my opinion. But uh, I'm not rooting for against Robbie Ray. I'm rooting for Robbie Ray. I want him to win the Cy Young Award. That'd be really cool. Um, and I don't know if he would be i'm guessing he would be the starter in the wild card game he's your best pitcher um depends on who pitched at the end of the season i guess because remember as of right now every game counts for them so they're yeah. not going to be I mean, sitting their best players at the end of the Hyunjin season ryu is on the injured list i know that so he hasn't even had a good year he's not that and he hasn't yeah you're right and i mean he'd at least be rested for it but he's a top three pitcher they have unfortunately rios manoa Manoa's been good. I don't know if you'd pitch him in a big game like that. I think if the if there's a wild card game between those two teams, which there will be, Tampa Bay is pretty much gonna win that division. I mean, yeah. they have a six game lead right now with with eleven eleven left games play, left. 10 or 11, that would have to be a pretty bad collapse by them. But I think within a in a wild card game, I think we're gonna see Robbie Ray if they're in it. That would be exciting. Important to note too that Oakland and Seattle are currently sitting three games back of this whole race, but it almost feels like they're a mile away. <laughs> Dude, the Mariners, imagine if they didn't lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks on their home field. Yeah. They'd be probably one game back. They'd be right there. The difference is though, those two teams are both five and five in their last ten, whereas New York 
Toronto and Boston have all won six or more games in their last ten. So yep. it's just it, it right now it's the race of the AL East. Yeah. Three teams from the AL East are likely to make How the playoffs. How about the NL season. wild card though? All of a sudden the St. Louis Cardinals. They're ten and oh. Yep. Ten it's and insane. 0. They've won ten they've won ten straight games. They now have a four game lead on the Cincinnati Reds for the second wild card spot. All of a sudden it looks like we're gonna get I mean, if all holds true and the Giants squeak out that division win. We're going to get a Cardinals-Dodgers wildcard game, which could be crazy because I'm pretty sure Adam Wainwright is going to start that game for the Cardinals. <laughs> he's like 40 years old. Dude, Adam Wainwright, I don't know if you've been paying attention to him. He's been one of the best pitchers in the National League this year. Yeah. He's insane. In all baseball, really. Him and Yadier Molina. I don't know how they keep doing it. It sounds like both of them are going to be back next year. Yeah, if you're the Cardinals, you got to be kind of concerned because their clock is ticking. And they're both playing well. I'll get. I'll grant them that. But well, luckily for the Cardinals, they have Jack Flaherty. He's been hurt this year, but doesn't it always feel though like the Cardinals are good when their pitchers are old? <laughs> Matt Morris, remember when he was on the team and they went to uh, the World Series? Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, they always have an yeah. old workhorse. Adam Wainwright is sixteen and seven this year. Wow, with a two eight nine ERA and a one oh three WHIP. That's insane. Well, in he a, is 40 years old. A week ago when we talked about the playoff races, St. Louis was on the outside looking in, and the Padres were in that spot. Mm-hmm. And the Padres are now 2-8, and eight, like we talked about in their last 10. And so that's an eight-game flip Man. for the Cardinals. The Reds are also 3-7 and seven in their last 10 as well. Yeah, they're falling out of it, the too. The Phillies have been playing better, but they're just they're not a good team. They're just in a bat. They're in a... The NL East, by the way, is... Just putrid. They're terrible. They are the NFC East of ba- of of baseball. <laughs> the like, NFC least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Braves are. They're nine games over five hundred. They're seventy nine and seventy. They have a three game lead on the Phillies, who are seventy seven and seventy four. Like yeah. like that division is terrible. Not good. And definitely the, not. Good. The fact that the Braves can win this division after losing Ronald Acuna Jr. Their best pitcher, Mike Soroka, like is that just? I don't know if that's a testament to how like resilient they are, or just how bad this division is. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people expect Atlanta to go deep in the playoffs, but I mean, who knows? We remember what happened last year. They'd be in third place in the and in the uh, NL West. They would be in third place in the NL Central. So I don't know. That division is just not very good. It is not. The Nationals aren't going to be good for a while. The Marlins aren't going to be good ever. Can I get your take on the MVP races right now? Sure. Because I think the American League, most people assume that Shohei Otani is going to win the MVP. Vladimir Guerrero might, very much might win the Triple Crown and not win the MVP. Is that and okay? It's just because Otani pitches. Because he's, he's a really good pitcher and the best power hitter in baseball. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, let me look up Otani's numbers real quick. The thing is, Otani, if I remember right, I think he's hitting like 250-something, but with the 45-plus home runs, and you've got a guy in Vlad who's hitting over 300. I think it's like 320-something, so he's he's hitting much higher. Shohei Otani's hitting 257 with 45 homers, 95 RBIs, and a 951 OPS. Whereas and Vlad he, is hitting and, 320. Yeah. So it's like 70, 60 points higher. But Otani, Otani's also an ace of a pitcher. He's 9 and 2 with a 3 2 8 ERA and 22 starts. Right. 
A 1.11 whip. That's really good. Man, alive. So he is, he is, is, fair he is say, one of those players where you're going to tell your kids, I saw Shohei Otani play. Well, but here's the thing. That's insane. He's not done. No. This is just the first year that they've tried this, this is, experiment. Well, this, this could is, go on for another five years. This is years. the first year he's been healthy enough to do both. Right. Because the last two years or whatever, he's he's hurt himself pitching and he can't pitch. But he was still hitting somewhat. you know. And now he's been fully healthy all year and look what he's doing. So, I mean, man, it's just like... What happens if next year... So let's say he wins the MVP this year because we're all just in shock of what he can do, right? Who's to say that next year, Vlad comes out and hits the for the Triple Crown for the second year in a row, and Shohei Otani depreciates a little bit, both hitting and pitching. He's an okay pitcher and a pretty good, like, let's say, 30 home run hitter. Does he still win MVP because he's still doing something that nobody else can do? Or do, does the shock value wear off and all of a sudden you got to give it to the guy who wins the Triple Crown? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like it's unfair to a guy like Vlad Jr. because right. he doesn't pitch. Otani, like, what do you want him to do? Go out and learn how to pitch to win the MVP? Like, and at that point, do you take into account where your team finishes? Well, which I don't know yeah. if that's always fair either, but I mean, the Angels are not good, and that's not Otani's fault. And the Blue Jays are the last wild card right, right now. I mean,. Vlad, Vlad Jr. is hitting 321. He's tied with Salvador Perez with 46 homers. Salvador Perez is currently leading in RBIs with 115. Let me Vlad put it to you this way. I kind, of, I kind of alluded to this earlier with Tatis, but I'll, I'll take it from a Vlad perspective. I think Vlad is better at what he's asked to do than Otani is. But Otani is asked to do everything. To <laughs> pitch... To hit, Shohei Otani, to he's got like thirty stolen bases, doesn't he? Shohei Otani is literally, or at least twenty. Um, let me see here. He's got at least twenty steals. Where is it? Where's stolen bases at? My point is simply this: Otani has twenty three stolen 23. bases. My point is, Vlad is a better hitter than Otani. I believe that overall, overall better hitter. I can agree with that. And quite frankly, he's a first baseman, so he's not asked to do a lot defensively. I think Vlad is better at what he's asked to do than Otani is at what he's asked to do. But Otani is still really good, notch below Vlad, but at two totally different Shohei things. Shohei Otani is literally being asked, hey, you want to be our best hitter and our ace on our pitching staff? Well, Thanks. And, and how weird is it that good this, job. this guy could win the triple crown, Vlad? And we could look at it and go like, yeah, but we've seen the Triple Crown before. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera did it. Yeah, <laughs> a couple other guys have done it before, so it's not that amazing. Whereas Otani, we're looking at him and we're like, He's that's never been done. Since Babe Ruth, and I don't even know if Babe Ruth was this good of a pitcher. But then look at next season. If he depreciates as a pitcher and hitter, he's still doing something no one else in the league can do. Yeah, but, but it's, now we've but it's seen less it. amazing. But now we've seen it. If we've seen it. Yeah. So then does so then does I, that give I Vlad think, an extra chance? I think Otani's going to win the MVP. Yeah. Um this I agree. year this year. I think I think both guys deserve it. Um I think maybe Vlad Jr deserves it a little bit more um because his team is fighting for a playoff spot. You take that into consideration. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I usually in the past I haven't, but in this case it's so weird because the Angels are so bad. But, They're under 500, and they have the two best baseball players in the universe yeah, on their team. Granted, one of them one hasn't, hasn't played, played most of the year, since but, April or whatever it is. But right. 
No, I, that, that's fair. I don't know. I, 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 I just think I don't know what the reason is going to be, but I think I think Otani's going to win. Oh, MVP. by the way, Salvador Perez has had arguably oh, yeah. the best offensive by the year way, of a yeah, catcher Sa- ever. Salvador Perez probably deserves some consideration too, and has hit like a billion home runs this season. So yeah, there's that. Um, as we finish up the podcast for today, let's run through the schedule that the Diamondbacks have upcoming. They just finished two of their first four games in the series. Uh, against the Braves, oh, so they got two more of those at home tonight and tomorrow. Then they've got the Dodgers. They for have a three. rough schedule. If they want to avoid being worse than the 2004 team, I mean, they still they still have two three game series with the Dodgers and the Giants. You said they need eight losses to be the worst team. I believe the 04 team had 111 losses. Okay, and they're at 103 now. So if that's true, if they need eight, there's 11 games left. Three and eight? You think that's likely? Yeah. Look who they're playing. Like, right. look, look who they're playing. Yeah, the two thousand four Diamondbacks finished fifty one and one hundred eleven. I could the twenty twenty one Diamondbacks are are uh, they they're at one hundred and three losses right now. I could see them. So you've got Braves for two, Dodgers for three, Giants for three. Yeah, that's a total of eight games. I could see them. Squeaking by with one or two wins in and that. And by the way, group. like they have to play the Rockies too, and the Rockies aren't going to just lay down. That's the thing is, I could see one or two wins against these teams, and then the Rockies, I could see them winning one game there. Yeah. So that's three, and that makes you the worst team in franchise history. Yikes. Yep. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. That's a great way to end the podcast for the week, huh? How about that? I blame you. Well, at least next week. We'll be talking probably in the middle of the Giants series, and we'll have an, a better idea of yep where we're at on that discussion, because that's a fun talk to have. <laughs> I can't wait for our end-of-season discussions. It's going to be a I therapy like it's session. It's going to be a lot of the same. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to bring a couch in here and lay down during that conversation. Hey, listen, thanks so much for checking out the podcast this week. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Cody Fincher. We wouldn't have the podcast without you guys, so thanks so much. We appreciate you checking us out here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. Yeah.